If you're ready, say amen. Amen. Wow. God is so very, very good. This year, 2017, um, this morning was not a lot different. It was warmer than yesterday morning. And then, of course, uh, last night came and the clock hit uh, midnight. It was already 2017 and other places uh, around the world. But this morning wasn't a lot different uh, as it relates in the natural sense than it was yesterday. Uh, but here's, here is the difference. It's uh, what happens between your ears. If you take advantage of an opportunity that says, okay, uh, I'm going to make some new uh, commitments. I'm going to let my faith take a step or two up. Uh, some of you are going to get, uh, you're, you're, you're going to get, you're um, whipped and, uh, and uh, this year, you know. Some of you are going to have surprises that are not great surprises. Others are going to have better surprises than you can imagine. Some of you are going to get in trouble. Some of you are going to misbehave. Some of you are going to be like perfect angels, you know. A few of you will. Uh, at any rate, just never know what's going to take place. And then some of you or many of us are going to have circumstances hit us that we thought, where did that come from? And you're going to think it came right out of the pit of hell. Now, this morning, the message is really simple for just a few minutes called truths and lessons. Hopefully, you never get too old to learn a lesson. Turn to your neighbor and say, you can still learn. Go ahead. Yeah, you can still learn. And, and my, matter of fact, that felt good to some of you. Go ahead and say to the same person, you don't know it all. Go ahead and tell them. I mean, since you're on that roll, you don't know it all. You think you do. You don't know it all. And only a whip would not be able to say that to somebody beside you unless you're scared of them, sir. Here's a phrase. You've heard it before. Time will tell. Time will tell. Time will tell tell. That's the truth. Talk about that for a moment. What does it mean? It means that uh, the judgment of truth, time will tell through the judgment of truth, whether or not what a person says and what they do happens to be the same thing. Time will tell. You just wait and watch. Well, uh, time also is the judgment of value. Some things get uh, more mature and more valuable as time goes on. Other things, as time goes on, they're, they're not worth a flip. There are some, time will tell the motives of a person. Come to you with a gift in their hand and flowers and, you know, look at you and say, you're just the most beautiful thing in the whole world, babe. I can't do without you. You know, time will tell whether or not that's a true motive. Don't you think? Be wise, women. Be wise. Time doesn't change a truth. I don't care. Truth is truth no matter what time it is. Time doesn't change a truth. It doesn't change a principle. Time doesn't change a truth or a principle, but it will reveal sometimes a truth, and it will reveal sometimes a principle. Time may increase or decrease the value of something, and time will reveal the motive of, of a person. You know, all the things that you're giving you, all the accolades, all the prizes, all the gifts, and what's the motive behind that? Just hang out a little while. Put a little pressure on them and see what happens. And today's message kind of causes us to wise up. Let's take a look at some events that have transpired. It's about our attitude, about our heart, and it's about our faith. Our text today is a testimony of a widow woman. She's in uh, difficult straits. Uh, she doesn't have anyone to, um, you know, to open jars that are really hard to open. You know, she's, she's a gal, and I mean, sometimes they put them on so tight. 
uh, that there's nobody there. There's nobody there to change a, a tire and nobody there. And the widow, she's just, well, a lot of things, uh, a lot of things that she could not do, a lot of things she could do. Uh, she had a son, and the son we know in the story, uh, of course, died and was sick unto death. And she was destitute when the famine hit. It made her life even more miserable. And as a result of that, her time was very, very difficult and a difficult season of her life. And so I want to talk about that because since we don't know what the future holds, and since we know the one who holds the future, I want to talk just for a few minutes in the message the Lord laid on my heart. I want to talk about one, a drought, a season, a drought, a period of time when it's very difficult. I want to talk about the Word of God for the answer to the challenges in a drought season, which is usually the winter time, is the Word of God. And then I want to remind you that, that our provision does not come from our skill set, our ingenuity, our knowledge, even our goodness. But everything that we have comes in the provision, comes from the hand of a loving God. Someone has written, and I'll share it with you, time is that inexplicable raw material of everything. With it, all is possible, but without it, nothing is possible. If you run out of time, the supply of time is truly a miracle that comes every day. Tomorrow doesn't crowd out today, and yesterday doesn't crowd out today. Nobody can take time away from you, of course, except God. Nobody can steal your time without your permission. And no one receives more or less time than what you receive in a 24-hour period. You can waste a moment in your life. You can waste time. And tomorrow's kept for you. You can't spend it before it gets here because it's reserved for you. And we know that that's why the psalmist, David, in Psalms 90, verse 12, says, Okay, since I have this gift of time, here's something. Teach us to number our days aright that we may gain a heart of wisdom. So I want to step back and say, wow, I've got this whole year, the Lord willing, and I've got a lot of priorities, and I've got a lot of things that I, I want to do. God, I want to number my days, and I want to be certain that I don't miss something that you have for me. I don't want to miss a priority. I don't want to miss a decision. I don't want to miss a path. Because of my stupidity or my, my lack of paying attention, God, I want to walk in the way that you want me to walk. See, time is divided up into four areas. We don't have seasons here, but there are places in most of the United States and other part, there's winter. Winter is a season that is death and recovery. Spring is where life comes up and opportunity. Summer is the management of the provision with which we have. And fall is the harvest of actually reaping that which we have been able to sow. And the beautiful part about it is the Bible declares that we have great days ahead. Say that with me. We have great days ahead. Now, you might be thinking about something in particular. Said, boy, howdy, I've got great days ahead. No doubt about it. But here's what Amos, that minor prophet, Amos 9, verse 13. He said, the days are coming, declares the authority, that is the Lord, when the reaper will be overtaken by the plowman and the planter by the one treading grapes. In other words, he says, here's what will happen. There may be a person out planting seed, and time is going to move so rapidly, and the clock on the 
our time of God's clock is going to move so rapidly that the harvesters are going to overtake the one who's planting the seed. And today is that day. I mean, how many of you may have said in your own heart, boy, I don't know what happened to 2016. It just flew by. I mean, it was here, and the next thing I know, it's 2017. In that arena, I want you to program your spiritual heart and your spiritual mind to begin to probe questions of God. God, what is it that you want me to do for you, and what favor do you have for me that I don't want to miss? How many of you want God's favor? May I see your hand? You want God's favor. We all want that. But have you ever noticed that something of real value never comes without sacrifice? You notice that? Now, some of you were born with a silver spoon in your mouth. You've never had to do anything to earn what you have. It's just out there on a platter. Who are you, by the way? <laughs> want to get to know you. But here it is. Miracles are available to all of us. I put a post on Facebook this morning. I was uh, sitting there at 7-Eleven. And I'd gotten coffee. I think I'm going to put a post out there. And I threw a post out there under the inspiration of the canopy at the 7-Eleven. And uh, it was about 5.20 this morning. And I thought, here, here you go. And I thought, Lord, I just want to introduce this day in 2017. And I, I stated it there. And I thought, God, you know what? I get to choose in my own life at the young age of what I am what my year is going to be. I'm not going to let the calendar dictate to me. I'm not going to let my circumstances dictate to me. I'm not going to let my enemies dictate to me. I'm not going to let history dictate to me. Here's what's going to happen, God. I'm going to lean on you and believe that you want the very best for me, and I'm going to live toward that. I'm going to do everything that I can, God, where it will be easy for you to just throw your favor out on my life. I choose favor. Amen? Say that with me. I choose favor. You get to decide. So what if a drought comes? I have good news. So what? How many have ever been through a drought spiritually before? Hello, financial, physically, relationally, all of us have been through, the, through those, those times. So the drought, here is 1 Kings 17.1. Let's talk about it now. Elijah the Tishbite from Tishbe. Where are you from, Tishbe? Tishbe? Does that, does that make you a Tishbite? Yeah. I wonder what a Yeehaw Junctioner is called. A Yeehaw? I'm, yeah, I'm from Yeehaw Junction. I'm a Yeehaw. Or how about Bradley Junction? Hello? I'm from Bradley Junction. I'm a BJ. How's that? Here you go. The Tishbite. Gilead said to Ahab, he was, get Ahab in your head, he was bad news to the bone. He had a wife that manipulated and controlled him. He was a sissy. I got so many things that I want to say that I can't say behind the pulpit. <laughs> Y'all know what I'm talking about? I mean, she ruled. She led him, opened the door of opportunity. Ahab, and as the Lord, the God of Israel, lives, whom I serve, 
there will neither be dew nor rain, Elijah's talking, in the next few years, get this now, this is bold. This is bold, except my word. Buddy, you got to have a relationship with Jehovah if you're going to step out on a limb and you're going to dictate to the most wicked man of the day. As a matter of fact, the Bible says that couple were the most wicked couple recorded in Scripture. And you're going to tell him, her, you're going to tell them, hey, it ain't going to happen unless I say so. How many of you men have ever heard your wife say that? Try it. You, you don't have to get it up. You can put it here. Yeah. It doesn't happen unless I say so. I want you to follow me now. God is able to do something in those times in the drought that is greater for his glory. Here it is, his servant Elijah, the little widow lady that's in trouble, her son and all of God's people. That drought was the season of winter. I've been there. I've gone through with some of you have been there. You got told, we don't need you anymore. You ran out of money. You had a death in the family untimely. You had a difficult relationship. You thought it was going to be the greatest thing since sliced bread, and it turned out to be a nightmare. I've been around here long enough to know that with some of you. And Elijah declared to Ahab that because of your disobedience, a drought is going to take place, and it is the judgment of God that's going to come upon you. But the drought, my friend, if you have a proper perspective and know who you are in Jesus Christ, you don't see the season of drought in your life as your enemy. You see it as a potential opportunity for God to be able to do something. You see, that drought is an opportunity for God to get our attention and to get along with us and to become a counselor and advisor to us and prepare us for future use. As a matter of fact, just the Holy Spirit is speaking to my heart right now. Some of you went through a drought and a season of great difficulty that turned your world upside down, and I'm going to speak directly into your spirit. You are still hanging on to the pain of that drought, and you have failed to let it go. Today, let it go. Put it in the arms of God, lay it on the altar, and said, no more am I going to let even a smidget of my life be dictated because of some season of drought in my life where I got torn to shreds. I today am going to rise above it and leave it in the hands of the Lord. If that's good preaching, say amen. The drought to get along with us. It's the place where lessons are going to be learned. How many of you, how many of you learn some of your lessons the hard way? That's right. Matter of fact, how many would join me and raise both hands and say, most of my lessons I learned the hard way? Come on, get them up. Most of mine I learned the hard way. Why is that? Why is that? May I suggest to you, I have resolved myself to this, that the best lesson is often learned the hard way. And since that's the way I am, amen, I just say, okay, God, the hard way is fine with me. Because you see, that which you sacrifice and the pain with which you experience, you remember a long, long time. Think about it with me for a moment, that drought period that takes place. It's that moment, of course, that life and life in the church, those lessons can be learned. And I'm saying, God, here's what I know. I'm going to have a drought this year. 
Here's what I know. Something's going to surprise me. Here's what I know, God. I, there are going to be things that's going to happen to me that's gonna, that I'm going to have to deal with that I, I don't even know what it is. But here's what I know. I know who I am in you, and I know that nothing comes my way without your permission, and I know that I am standing on the Word of God, and I know, sure, yes, I make mistakes, and yes, I am my own worst enemy, but at the end of the day, I want you to know I'm going to raise my hands, whether feebly or whether strongly, to the King of kings and the Lord of lords and say, I surrender all. God, you are in control and I am not. Come on, put your old rowdy hands together and let's give the Lord a clap over it. <laughs> you see, when the lessons are not embraced, here's what I found out. When those lessons are not embraced, over a period of time, God says, you know what? You're so stubborn. You're so hard-headed. I'm just going to let you sit there for a while. I have sat at the same place in a lot of places. Hello? How about you? Anybody out there? But sooner or later, it's kind of like you get pricked and you thought, I'm tired of this. I'm ready to pick up and move on. This has been our, God, I'm ready. I, I trust you now. I used to question you, but I trust you. It develops my faith. Time is going to tell. Listen, time will tell what you are made out of during the challenges and the droughts of your life. But after all, the precious gold is refined by the fire. If you bought jewelry for your spouse or your significant other, hopefully, anyway, <laughs> you didn't go to the jewelry store and say, I want to buy this for the special person in my life. I would like it to be dross because I can't afford gold and silver. Give me a necklace made out of the dross. And she opens it up and said, what in the world is this? <laughs> Baby, it's all I can afford. It's that which is left behind. The gold is somewhere and the silver is somewhere, but this is the dross. It ain't worth anything. That's why I gave it to you, darling. You see, we learn the value of those periods of drought. Now, now here we go. Drought provides greater opportunity. Say amen. Droughts promote my spiritual maturity. Say amen. Droughts prove my integrity. Say amen. Droughts produce a sense of dependence on God. Say amen. Droughts prepare our hearts for ministry. Say amen. And if you didn't say amen anytime then, say amen now. And what about the word? What help do I have? You up the creek without a paddle. Up the creek without a paddle. How many of you have never had a spanking in your life? May I see your hand? No spanking, just a few of you. If you haven't had a spanking, meet me in the hospitality suite right after service. <laughs> Amen. When I went to school, the principals were creative. They would take the paddles and drill holes in them. So the airflow would, on, on a solid paddle, it would stop the swing. But my coaches drill holes in the paddles so the air would flow through the paddle. And when it connected with me, you know, the few times that I had to be paddled. Amen? How many of you never cried when you got paddled? <laughs> 
How many cried later? <laughs> yeah, I did. <laughs> you ain't going to see me cry, buddy. Anyway, here it is. What redeems you? Well, my good looks. <laughs> You're up the creek without a paddle. It's my ingenuity. It's my skill set. It's my money. It's who I know. It's my position. Hey, do you know how quickly everything that I just mentioned can be absent from your life? Do you know how quick that can happen? That you used to be a somebody and now you're not even a nobody. It's gone. And as long as you've got money and position and influence, you've got friends. Not like Garth Brooks. All my friends. You know, as long as you got that. But what happens when none of that's there? You say, give me a biblical example. How about job? Checking you out. <laughs> Trying to be at my best today. How about Job? Even his closest friends and his wife said, you're a loser. What is it? 1 Kings 17, 2. Then the word of the Lord came to Elijah. What came to Elijah? The word. What is my hope? the word you see the people were worshiping Baal after all that God had done Ahab was ruled by Jezebel Elijah declared the drought no rain no dew no moisture and Elijah you're to go hide at the Kerith ravine and God gave him this word it was only a word hey here's the deal you will drink from the brook that will not dry up, that brook where you're at will not dry up, and the ravens will feed you. How long is it going to last? Hey, how about three years? Well, God, man, listen, Elijah, you don't have to worry. Only time will tell. There's a young boy. He believed God. He had his Sunday school paper. He's on a plane. He's going to see his grandparents. In the seat beside him is a seminary professor. And the seminary professor had this beautiful red apple, and he looked at the little boy, he noticed it was a Sunday school paper, and he turned to the kid, how you doing, son? And the kid said, I'm fine, sir. How are you? He said, I'm good. And the kid said, nice, beautiful apple there that you have today, sir. He said, yes, it is, son. He said, I'll tell you what, son. You like my apple? Yes, sir, it's a beautiful apple. He said, I, I didn't get to eat anything, you know. We were able to get on the plane. He said, well, son, I'll tell you what. If you can tell me something that God can do, that God can do, I'll give you this apple. Well, the little boy paused, and he said, I'll tell you what, sir. If you tell me something God can't do, I'll give you a whole barrel of apples. Come on, go, kid. You tell me something God can't do. Do you believe, like the Word of God declares, God can 
do anything, especially the impossible. Amen? He can do anything. So what I want you to do is come out of your little shelter today. Come out of 2016, either victoriously or you're limping along, and come out and say, buddy, bless God, I have a new opportunity. We're starting it off in fasting and praying, and I'm not going to let the devil dictate to me my circumstance, my family, or anyone else, or my, my, my position right now. I declare, hallelujah, that I am God's favorite kid, and God's favor is going to come my way. Amen? Who else is going to say that? You have to say it. So what do you have to work with? I'll give you a couple of examples. God's presence is going to be with you because he said, I'll never leave you, Hebrews 13. God's protection. You mothers that are worried about your children when you can't see them. Listen, God's protective hand is upon them. He says, I am your shield. God's power. He said, when you're weak, I am strong in Isaiah 41. God's provision. He said, when you run out, I'll make a way where there is no way. God's leading, it says. And when he putteth forth his own sheep, he goes before them to lead in God's goodness. No good thing is he going to withhold with them, from them that walk uprightly in God's wise plan. All things work together. I'm telling you, my friend, if God's going to do all that for me, tell me what challenge you have that God cannot take care of. I want to learn my lessons out of the drought, but I'm going to take God's Word and say my hope is found in the confines of this book. My God is greater. Nothing is impossible with Him. By faith I walk, not by sight. God is my God and my Redeemer and my soon-coming King. So I I'm ready for whatever. Amen? I'm ready. <coughs> He's omnipotent. He can do as He wills. He's omnipresent. He's everywhere, wherever you've been. He's there. He's omniscient. He knows all the past and the present. And Elijah had the one thing, and it was the Word of God's promise. Maud Royden said, when you have nothing left but God, you become aware that God is enough. There you have it. Finally, the provision. So we got, we got the drought. We know it's going to happen. Well, you're a dooms preacher. I'm telling you the truth. It will. It will. He said, but you got the Word of God. Hide it in your heart. We're going to fast and pray. And then finally, the provision. God always has more than enough. Amen? More than enough. Well, since that's true, I'm going to get me a rocking chair that I bought at Cracker Barrel for $150 on sale. I'm going to get in it. I got one that says, go Gators, go Seminoles. Whoever's winning's a rocking chair I'm going to be rocking in. Go USF, you know. Hello, I got it. Go Washington. Uh-oh, change chairs. <laughs> and I'm just going to sit here. Because if you're saying God's going to provide, let me tell you what God's going to do for you. You're going to dry up and die. Why? Because it doesn't take any faith to sit there and just rock. Amen? You got to have something to be rocking toward. 
here it is, the provision, 1 Kings 17, 5. So he did. Elijah was obedient to God, told him. He went to Kareth Ravine, east of Jordan, and stayed there. And the ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning. Bread and meat was prime rib, by the way, in the evening. And he drank from the brook. Well, how do you know it's prime rib? Because I've got a great imagination. Amen? He obeyed. I will obey. Say that with me. I will obey. Let's say it again. I will obey. That's a pretty good start. Just going to obey. He stayed there for about three years as God sowed the spring seed in him. He's in the winter. But guess what follows the winter? Anybody know? Yeah. Some of you are, you're in, you could be an engineer. Spring. Because winter dissipates and the leaves turn and get green again. But guess what? If you enter spring with a winter attitude, you won't enjoy the plentiful blessing of new opportunity because you're still tucked back there with winter. But you come, he's spent the three years. God sowed the spring seed in him. And here, the ravens fed him. Oh, that's a wonderful little bird. No, they're not. Ravens are known as birds of prey. The ravens would pluck an eyeball out just that quickly. The ravens would overlook their own young and not feed them if they wanted to. That was the ravens. And yet the raven, the bird of prey, fed Elijah twice a day. Amazing. In the midst of all that story, God said, I'm going to pick a little special bird, you know, that you can pet. You don't pet a raven. Don't you do it. But then the water from the brook, he was never thirsty, fed twice a day, and all of this took place. It was time for God to move him now. Here's where we're at, into the arena of the miraculous. After all, that's where, that's where I like to be. I prayed for several people this past week in the hospital and people that are in trouble and marriages falling apart just this past week. People who want to commit suicide this past week. All those things, you know. And I thought, wow. I said, I believe when I pray, God answers prayer. And you know what the devil did every time? You skunk. Who do you think you are? Do you know how many mistakes you've made? Do you know how raw you are? You know you are stink, stank, stunk. Tis the season. All of those things. But isn't that what the devil's supposed to do? But what am I supposed to do? I tell you what, you liar. Get behind me in the name of Jesus. I've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. I have a promise. I have a Savior. I have a Redeemer. I have a hope. I have a word. I know who I am. So I am telling you right now that I believe when I pray, God hears and God answers my prayer. I don't want anybody praying for me. I hope God answers my prayer, Pastor. I'm going to give you the best prayer I got. But you know how weak I am. Oh, Jesus, if you've ever heard. I don't want you praying for me like that. Save it. 
What I want is a man who steps and said, bless God, there's the fence out there. Send the ball across the plate and watch me knock it way out of the park so far. You'll never find that ball, amen? I want a guy who says, there's the red zone. I'm going to blast right on into the bleachers with this football. That is the church of Jesus Christ, a courageous group of people that have everything that we need. Let's behave like it. Let's shout like it. Let's trust God like it. And take on everything God has for us. Amen. Well, here we go. Wrap it up. Here goes several pages. So how many of you felt better when I was turning this way? than when I was turning that way. I'm your pastor. I know y'all like. <laughs> Don't you stand. Individual was uh, up in age now. He was going to have to uh, move out of his house that he'd raised his family in. His wife had deceased. He had an aunt that he was close to his whole life. And now he's at the stage, he's having to sell his house and move in with the son and the daughter-in-law. And they've been told to go through and find only the bare necessities that he needed and the rest they were going to sell at a garage sale and, or give it away or whatever the case. And so he was doing just that. I've seen that happen over and over again. He had lived a very meager life his whole life. Uh, made minimum wage his whole life. As an individual, he and his wife struggled their whole marriage. And she had died a number of years. And he was on his little pension, a little bit of Social Security. Barely enough to skim by. <clears throat> He did not qualify to be able to get into a home that was subsidized even. And he remembered that he had to go upstairs. There were things in the attic, and he went into the attic, and there was the big chest. He opened it up, and there were just tinker stuff. And he looked, and, and there was a Bible that his aunt, who had died a number of years ago, it was her Bible. He reached down and picked it up and thought, wow. He remembered that when her will was read, uh, that he received the residual of her estate, which wasn't much, several thousand dollars. And her will stated, you know, I leave this, my most sacred book, to my nephew, and all the residual funds of my estate after the just bills have been paid. Funeral expenses have been paid. I leave to my nephew, and that was him. And he remembered that. It lasted about 24 months, and then it was gone. He took the Bible because when she willed it to him, the lawyer just handed it to him, said, this is yours. He remembered the day that he took it and put it up there in the attic, paying attention to it. This is a true story. But when he opened it up, 
in the pages of that old Bible, well-worn, were CDs, not the kind you play, certificate of deposits, all through the Bible, interest-bearing CDs. The first one was for 50000 Another one for 20000 There were thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars in that book. She'd place them there, hoping that if he just opens it, at least he'll be exposed to the pages. But he took it and put it in the chest and never opened it until now. His thought was, why didn't I do this sooner? Why didn't I open it and read it? I could have lived a much better life. My wife could have had things that I was never able to give her. And here it is all right here, above in the attic, in the chest. I want to leave you with that thought. God is gifting you a book of promises this year. And it's filled with things that are of great value to you and to your family. Some he's given you memories and some he's given you opportunities and privileges. But you'll never know what they really are until you're beginning to open your heart up to God and let him speak to you and let him direct you and let him lead you and let him be your Lord and let him be the glory of your life. If you do that, you'll never run out of provision from God. Not to mention the half has yet to be seen. When you breathe your last breath, there's more there than you could ever imagine here. And it's all just for you. Amen? Let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the greatest congregation in the world. I thank you for every woman, every man. I thank you for every young person. I thank you for every married couple. I, I thank you for every single parent family. I thank you for those that are courting. I thank you for those that are brokenhearted. But for every one of us, you don't see us in our broken state. You see us as you choose for us to be in our present and in our future. So I pray a divine anointing. But in order to have that, we have to humble ourselves and admit that we have sinned and ask you to forgive us. And if you forgive us and you said you will, we then open the door to the hope chest of our future and we find things we never thought could be possible. Let that be true for all of us in Jesus' name. So I'm going to ask while our heads about everybody to repeat this prayer with me. Would you do that? Let's do it together. First prayer of commitment. Heavenly Father, I have sinned and I need forgiveness. I thank you, Jesus, for giving your life for my sins. I believe by faith if I confess my sins, I am now forgiven. Heavenly Father, 
I want your favor. Work in me a new life. I lean on you, not my own understanding. So my goal this year is to walk in a way that brings pleasure to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Put your hands together. Let's thank the good Lord, shall we? If you need prayer, we're going to sing this song one time. If you need prayer, it's a good start. If you've got a physical challenge, you've got a financial challenge. If you've got loneliness and despair, come on down. Or maybe you've got a dream. You say, God, I'm just bringing this dream here. Don't forget to fill out those cards. Turn them at the lobby desk, all your prayer needs. We're going to pray for them many, many times. You come as we sing, as God directs. Stay with me until the benediction, would you? <laughs>